Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to the Iron Brew Podcast, another In Conversation episode, and it's the one you've been waiting for and the one we've definitely been waiting for. So you've got Brad Mel, Matt Ellis, and a very excited Matt Blanchard, because today we are talking to, uh, talking to Steve Torpy. How are you doing, Steve? Very well, thank you. Nice, nice to be invited, and um, so hopefully I can put a bit of a few smiles on people's faces, maybe for a for half hour or an hour, as long as it takes. I'm sure you will. Uh, let's start. Let's start actually with your time as a youth player, because you were with Millwall, and you, you know, we played with some players like Teddy Sheringham, uh, Tony Cascarino. Uh, you know, they were a good strike partnership. Did they influence your game? Did they, you know? Did you learn things from them? Because they both obviously went on to play at quite a high level. Yeah, they were obviously uh, internationals, both of them in the end. You know, uh, Cascarino for the Republic of Ireland and, and, and Sheringham for obviously England. Um, yeah, it was it was a great place to, to learn my trade. I was a, an apprentice there. So when I left school, 16, so mm. two years as a, an apprentice. And it was, it was different years ago. It was a small squad. I think we only had a squad of about 16, 18 players. So you had more of an opportunity. So you was always training. If you, you know, if you was half decent, you'd get an opportunity, which which I obviously did. And I was training with the um, with the first team at eighteen, and made my debut uh, nineteen. I think it was when I made my debut. But yeah, well, I was training week in, week out with like Sheringham, Cascarino, uh, the older ones, uh, Terry Erlock, Les Briley. Um, you know, it was a host of excellent players back in the day for them. So, but before so get straight into your career, then Steve, I think before joining the Iron, uh, you're obviously a regular starter for Bristol City. I think you even played the week before the move to Scunthorpe. Um, so, how did the move come about then, and was it a difficult decision, kind of you know, to leave Bristol at the time, given you were getting some regular first team football? Uh, no, it wasn't a difficult decision. It was it was a tough decision because um, I signed to Bristol City from from um, from Swansea. We had uh, we got promoted in the first season. And we got relegated in the second season. Um, and there was a, a transition of managers. John Ward was there, um, and then Benny Lanarson he left. And then um, I think there was I can't remember who, who, who was manager when I actually left left the club. But it was a bit of turmoil, which always happens at Bristol City. It's one of those clubs that sometimes expectation levels are maybe a little bit too high. They expect to be maybe in the Premiership. When they're uh, you know a, a very good championship team, so um, so yeah, so I had I think I had a year year and a half of my contract still to run at, at Bristol, and I got a phone call from this chairman Scott Davison, um, asking if I would like to to go to Scunthorpe, who, who come in for me. I don't think I was playing at the time, or I might might have been on the on the bench, or like you say, oh, I can't remember. I may have played at that, that game the week before. I can't actually remember, but. Um, I had a look and uh, thought, yeah, I'll come up and, and speak, speak to Brian, and uh, travelled up on the uh, on the motorway. Yeah, and you obviously became the club's record signing at the time, £200,000, signing a relatively long contract as well, because the club were generally maybe giving out one or two-year deals. Was there any added extra pressure, given the fact that the club were performing at the wrong end of the table when you came in? 
Um, not really. I, I went for quite big money from Swansea to Bristol. So that was like 400,000. And then when I went to Scunthorpe, within a space of two years, my fee went down to, I think it was 200 grand. So I, I halved my fee in two years. So that was uh, some doing. Um, so the, the fee didn't really, uh, I, you say, as a player, I don't think you, you, you look at that really. I think you just got, if someone wants to pay what they want to pay for you, that's, that's, that's life. So in terms of a big fee, even though it was in terms of scumful, in terms of the, the salaries and, and, and the fees, um, it, it didn't put no added pressure to me. The, the position in the league was probably more added pressure where we was when I signed. Um, and obviously, I, we, we couldn't avoid relegation. I couldn't really help as much as I would like to. I remember your debut really well, actually. It was nil-nil draw against Cardiff City at Glanford Park. And I think they were struggling at the wrong end of the table as well and, and came for the point. Um, but I don't really remember it for any any particular footballing reason. Um, I was sat there in the Telegraph stand with my granddad at the time. He used to go to the games with my granddad. And there was a ball down the line that Gareth Sheldon just managed to get a foot onto and obviously went out for a throw-in. But the ball ricocheted up into the rafters just to the left um, of where Brian Laws used to stand in his, in his little gantry. Um, and it got stuck there. Thought nothing more of it. Obviously carrying on watching the game. And, and 10 minutes later, this ball drops down from the roof and, and cracks me on the head. <laughs> and and, and uh, I've, I've never forgiven him. <laughs> Uh, well, you up did it. So it was uh, not the best guys. I can't really remember that game. It was, as I say, nil-nil was probably a, a half-decent point for us at that stage. Yeah. Uh, let's see if you can remember this one then, because your first goal for the club, that comes uh, in a 2-2 draw against Reading. Do you remember that? Can you uh, talk us through that goal if you can? Um, yeah, I don't, again, I don't think it was a, a classic. I know me and, me and Brian Quayley um, scored and he, he had just signed as well. So uh, we thought we'd probably go on to get you know a, a valuable three points, but I don't think we, we couldn't hold on to the to the lead and um, you know in, in the end, and it was a draw, wasn't it? In the end, two two yeah. that that game, um, but I can't really remember the the goal. Can you talk me through it? I, and try and can you remember it? <laughs> I can remember it. Yeah, the two good goals actually. I, I remember. Um, yours was it was on the half volley and then Quayley it was on the turn it was a great finish Brian Quayley's goal um, but yeah two good goals and as you say it was it was we were we were flying and then I think I don't know if it was Jamie Curriton for for Reading I don't know if he um, pulled one back and they they obviously got the second um, and that was kind of the story of the season wasn't it I think when we did play well we just couldn't hang on to um, hang on to when we we got a lead we couldn't hang on to it and unfortunately we we were relegated. Yeah, it was it was um yeah it was a tough season for for everyone concerned. Um, again, I I remember I don't know what game it was maybe the third or fourth game in, and I were blocked a tackle which is not like me, and I actually strained me my knee ligament, and I think I missed one or two games, and I remember going up to the um, to the restaurant at Glanford because I was obviously uh, injured, and <laughs> it was a bizarre comment. I just went to meet some of the fans and one of the supporters. He was having his, his meal before the game. So I, he said, you, you actually signed and you was injured when you signed. And I, I was so taken aback by that. I think, I think it might, might have been third game in. And um, and I was absolutely fuming. I, went, you, I said, are you joking? So um, that, that comment kind of stayed with me. with saying that I'd signed when I was injured. Um, I don't think I played two or three games prior to missing that that game for injury, but it took me out for about two weeks, I think, and then I, I was okay, or, or weren't okay, I'd come back a little bit earlier, but I just thought, wow, that's a, a funny thing to say. 
Obviously, unfortunately, you know, we, we got relegated, didn't we, in the same season as Division 3. Um, you know, what, what was the atmosphere like in the dressing room at the end of the season after the relegation? Yeah, like any any time you get relegated or you have, have a loss, but throughout the season, I think, like you, like you said earlier, sometimes you we was in winning positions, we was playing well, but we just couldn't see the 90 minutes over the line and we couldn't, uh, you know, kind of buy a win, really. I think there's a lot of effort. But maybe just the quality of promotion and that higher league kind of took its toll, really, in terms of the squad of, of players and maybe weren't quite good enough for uh, to stay up. Uh, but then, obviously, we do go into the next season, and that's your first full season with the club. And it is, I think, the first of quite a few uh, good strike partnerships that you formed at your time there. And that's with Guy Poa. And, obviously, there's a time when both of you, you're scoring quite a lot what was he like to sort of play with because you, you, your game seemed to work quite nicely together you know the, the pace and the and the power it sort of went well with your flick-ons and things like that yeah he was a, you know, a very good striker I know he, he, uh, Bristol Rovers he had you know decent little career there and um, at um, Erreford as well so yeah he, he was good he was good he was um, you know, a strong lad strong um, aggressive uh, player could could finish uh, and, and like you say you um, I think I don't know if he scored that, that season, but he always seemed to, the more we played, the more more better understanding we seemed to to play off each other. Um, and he, he was he could score different types of goals. But back to goal, he running on 1v1s and um, you know, he did goals as well. So, yeah, again, he was a very good striker. And again, I don't know if he really fulfilled his potential. On his day, he could be a world beater. But I think, again, that consistency... Uh, maybe holding back a little bit. Yeah, I think that season he had 18 goals before January, and, and you'd obviously chipped in with double figures as well. Obviously, it was it was a good partnership, and it was your first good partnership during your time at the club. Were you sad to see him go, considering that? Yeah, yeah, because uh, but that's what happens if if strikers score goals and if, if bigger clubs come in for you, you you're probably going to look look to go. It's going to be hard to, as, as we've seen it throughout the years, as some thought the amount of strikers that have been been at the club and, and moved on is, is is fantastic and a great achievement. Uh, but yeah, I think you're always likely if you can score between 15 and 20 goals a season, then someone's always going to take a bit of a gamble on you. Towards the end of the season, Steve, obviously um, Martin Carruthers came in a little bit of a kind of a cult figure at Scunthorpe United, um, and it didn't have much chance to play together. But from from the off, you could could you see that it would develop into a good partnership with him? Yeah, Gandhi was Gandhi. Everyone knows him as Gandhi. For obvious reasons, um, yeah, he was he was again hard working centre forward, eye for goal, um, and we we struck it off straight away. Again, he, he um, kind of read my the, the situations I was in, my flick ons, and and vice versa. And again, he he, he could could he quite not the tallest of players, but he had a, a real good leap, and with his shiny. Shiny Bonds, he, he scored a few flick-ons that just skidded off his <laughs> top of his head and went in. He made some uh, some good connections with that uh, that shiny edge. Yeah. What was he? Uh, what was he like off off the field, Steve? Because I actually I've got a little story about about Carruthers because I remember. Um, Meeting him down Scunthorpe High Street when I was a kid, uh, me and my mate were walking down past the uh, the old co-op building, and Gandhi was dressed in absolutely all white. Never seen anything like it in my life. He looked like he'd just come off an Apollo mission. Was he like that? You know, behind the scenes. Um, yeah, I think I think he used to tra- travel up from from. Uh, I think he lived in Nottingham, uh, Gandhi, and there's maybe a few of them who used to travel and, and share lifts. But yeah, character. 
um, a good person to have around the changing rooms. Brought a bit of life to to the place when you uh, was having a bit of a down day or um, loads of energy. Um, yeah, he was he was he was a great character to to be around. I don't know. Hopefully, that was in the summer with his white outfit. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it yeah, was, was quite shiny coming down the high street. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah um, and again, he. Um, yeah, a great personality to have around and you, you need those type of people to get you through the, the good and bad moments. Okay, so I think while we're talking about that season, I think now's probably a good time to bring up uh, discipline. I think people were probably expecting this one uh, because yeah. you get th- you get three red cards in that season and I think it's seven throughout your whole time at the club, which might be a club record. We're not 100% sure on that. Uh, I mean, one is, let's be honest, it's a great save at Blackpool. Uh, but I think we could we could sort of sense, sort of as fans at the time, that Lawsy was getting a bit annoyed. And I think there was a time where he said that you were maybe setting a bad example to the, the younger lads. So what was that sort of like, your relationship at the time with him, maybe behind the scenes? Um, again, with, with the Ann Ball, that, that instance, I think, I, I, remember it, I remember it vividly. It was, it was going in the top corner and my just instinct was to to put up an hand and tip it over the bar, which <laughs> I think some of us would have been uh, made up with that. But um, and I remember walking off the sideline, getting the red card, looking at Bryce, shaking his head. Um, and I stood up the top because I think the, the tunnel was at the top, top right-hand corner. And I was just praying because it was early on in the game. I think it was in the first 10, 10 minutes or so. Um, and it, <laughs> the lad scored. And I thought, oh, no, it's going to be a long afternoon. And, and it, it turned out to, to be a, a long, a very long afternoon. But that was, that was just one one instance, uh, just a reaction. And probably looking back, uh, I shouldn't have done it. I should have let it maybe go in and probably more of a chance of coming back from from one nil with with eleven men, uh, but but yeah, I think as a, as a, as the sendings off accumulated in, in that season, uh, he, he brought me. I got fined every time. Um, I, I used to get fined two weeks' wages. So you know, I, I was it financially. I, I didn't. I didn't. Um, they weren't. Oh, don't worry about it. Talk. She'll be all right. You know. Don't worry. And there's always next week. He, he called me and I'd get a, an official letter of discipline and uh, and it'd be a two week. So over over the course of that season, if three sentences, I've had six weeks wages that I um, I, I got fined, um, which financially I don't, <laughs> I didn't like it. In, and I used to get it spread out over, over, um, so it, it, it'd be taken out equal installments over the, I don't know, two months or something like that. Uh, you say, because, you know, you get your monthly salary in two weeks wages is gone. It's, it's, uh, so you think, oh, okay, come on, it's all settled down. Let's just try and get focused. No more sendings off. But I don't know. It was just not the red mist, but just I was more instinctive. I don't, didn't mean to get sent off. I don't go out to intentionally hurt somebody or, or, or foul somebody. Or sometimes it was just an accident or just, like you say, a, a reaction. But Brian was, was you could see he was getting more and more angry as those uh, red cars accumulated throughout that season. And and then... I was I was banned for the following season, wasn't I? For I think I missed the first four games at the start of the following season. Yeah, do you think because you were picking up a few red cards for kind of violent conduct and things like that, that referees maybe had your card marked prior to games, you know, and they were kind of looking for any little thing you did to pull you up on? Yeah, I remember I got sent off against Dean Smith at Leighton Orient, the current manager Aston Villa. And literally, I... I did not. I know. I never, never touched him, and he's rolling around on the floor. And the referee was so quickly, so quick to come across and, and ban- banish a, a red card that 
yeah, I think I think you do you, you do build up a reputation, and people are, especially referees, are definitely looking for maybe something that's that's not there. But that was just one instance with Dean Smith, and uh, <laughs> not forgiving him since after that one is uh, you know not not great. Is that something you noticed then, Steve? Obviously, if if you kind of you know created a little bit of a reputation for yourself, was, was, did you find it harder to work with referees on the pitch? And maybe you know perhaps you didn't quite get the protection that you were sort of afforded because um, you had a reputation of you know being somebody who, who would sort of be a little bit of a red card magnet. Yeah, I, I think so. I think I think it can work both ways. I think you can you, you can build up a reputation for a referee who's going to keep an eye on and any little thing they're going to be onto you. But also, the other side when you're playing against opposition. I think if you if you do build up a, an aggressive mindset when you're playing against maybe centre half, then I think they they're always on their back foot. So I, I suppose it, it works for and against in terms of, of that. You against definitely uh, with the referees, but for maybe centre half or a little bit more careful and a little bit more wary of you as, as a player. Maybe I, I, I don't know. Sometimes I, I found that. What do you make of it in terms of today's game? Because when you look at sort of that physicality, um, it seems at times like you can't even make a tackle now. You know, ref pull it up for every little thing. Yeah, I, I think so. I think tackling is is uh, near enough gone. It's, it's it's kind of zero now in terms of. And if you see a night a great fifty fifty challenge, uh, everyone's moaning and players are rolling around. Um, I think Sean Dyche has got it off to a tee. I think he's he's come out numerous times and and, and said about. They should be, they should be red carded. You know, if people are diving and fooling the referee and the general public and getting people sent off and booked, then, you know, I think I think they need to be reprimanded and, and most definitely um, red card for, for for diving. But yeah, tackling is is is, is changed. The game has changed. It's, it's a more technical game, and you either got uh, you've got to adapt. And uh, but I do I, I do miss the the physical physical side of the, of the game on, on occasion. Moving into the, the next season, we saw the introduction of uh, Peter Beagrey. Um, you know, what what was that like to be on the pitch at the same time as Beagrey? Because obviously he's, well, I mean, personally, he's one of the best wingers I've seen play for the club. So that must have been a delight to play with him. It was. I actually done an interview with Matt Dean the other day and uh, I'll go into that in, in, in a little bit. But yeah, great, great, uh, great player, great career. The boy who never grew up, it was always buzzing, great uh, to have around a place, like I said about with uh, Martin Carruthers. Uh, always kind of, um, you know, quite jovial and, and a bit of a personality in, in the change rooms. Uh, as well as being a, an excellent player, you know, his career Everton, uh, Bradford, and and so on, F- fantastic player. Playing with him, that, that's a, uh, maybe a different story, uh, <laughs> because of the way he plays and he's checking and he's checking on his left, he's checking on his right. As a striker, sometimes that can be a bit of a, a nightmare to to read when he's going to cross it, and therefore the defenders normally get set back in position. So it become trying to read Beegs is a, is is no easy feat. It's, it's a it's a tough tough one to call. And when he does deliver the ball quickly, you're probably not going to be there because you expect him to check and then check again. But a fantastic player, playing with him, fantastic playing. I wouldn't like to play against him as as a, as a fullback because you, you just know you're in for a, a, a torrid time. And uh, yeah, excellent playing some. Fantastic goals! You I'm on Twitter, and sometimes the goals come through, and you you see the quality of Beagrey. He's uh, you know a fantastic player. 
I mentioned the goals, and in that season, I think you get 14. So what do you make of your, sort of your run that you went on there? Yeah, I think that was one of my best runs in in my terms of a career at Scunthorpe, probably my career in general. Uh, and I think, I don't know if I got injured that season as well, just before the, the back end, and I missed a, a fair bit. And I was probably playing my best football that I had played in, in some time. Uh, confidence was high. The, the team was doing well. Uh, Gandhi was chipping in with goals. Beagree was chipping in with goals. So there was it was coming from different areas of the pitch, and um, it, it looked like we was we was building a, a good squad there. And I think that was the initial signs that we would um, you know go on to better things. Really, one game that stands out as a fan is the I don't know if you can remember it, but it's a seven-one win over Darlington, um, yeah. and there was a bit of. Uh, there was an interview in the press with Gary Caldwell, uh, obviously went played for Celtic. He was playing that day for Darlington. And um, he was. it was a game, I think they were just about to play Barcelona in the Champions League. And he actually said that um, you were the best player he'd come up against. And he wasn't scared about playing Messi and, and all the others because he'd, he'd come up against you. So, you know, um, memories of that game, if, if you've got any. Well, I remember, I remember the game. I remember the actual article as well. I think someone sent it to me because it was in the, one of the Scottish papers, wasn't it? I think, and um, it was quite complimentary reading that. I think, I think Gary was a probably a real young lad at, at the time, and probably just come on the scene. So I think when you do play against older and more experienced players, sometimes those memories uh, last last a little bit longer. Uh, but yeah, I remember, I remember the game. Um, did they? They got sent off. Did they, Was there two got sent off? It was Paul Alcock refereeing. He came twice. He came twice that season, and I think he sent off four opposition players, a manager, and a physio. So you know, he was he was a great ref. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you must have liked Brian. Brian Laws. Uh, you know, I, I remember it. Yeah, and say that I think the man at the end of the game. Remember the, their manager coming on the on the pitch and absolutely. Fuming, but I've, uh, and again, I can't exactly remember the sendings off. I just knew they went down to to nine players and say seven one. I think I scored two, did I, on that game? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I remember. I remember obviously his reputation. Um, uh, poor old Cockley, uh, the, the referee fell over. Is that the one who fell over? Run backwards yeah. and fell over. Yeah, it was the Decanio. Decanio, that's the one. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, that was sad. Yeah, um, but yeah, it was it was a, a great victory. And I, but I just remember the manager coming onto the pitch after, and he was absolutely couldn't. He wanted to strangle strangle him, but again, sometimes you uh, just got to take it on the chin. But yeah, that was I was say one of the probably highest scores at, at Glanford for a good period of time. The story was that he actually went into the referee's room at half-time and threatened not to bring them back on at half-time after for the second half. And I think Lawsy had to kind of talk him into bringing the players back on. Yeah, because I know he can get abandoned after. I think that's what, that's what they were talking about. If it went down to, I don't know if it's eight, eight men or eight, eight players, then I think it can, or seven, then it, the game can get actually abandoned. So maybe they were going for that, I'm not sure. So obviously, unfortunately, we we missed out on the playoffs on, on goal difference the same season, Steve. You know how how disappointing was that? Given the squad we had, you know yourself, Beagery, Kel Hodges, um, you know we we probably should have made it, shouldn't we? Yeah, I think we was you know on the verge of the playoffs for for a good period of time, especially after Christmas, and then just our form really really kind of dipped towards the the end of the season. I I don't know what that was down to, but we just couldn't couldn't get a win and we, we staggered and we we knew what we had to do to, to secure a, a playoff spot and we, we was probably 
anchors to to get in into that playoff spot. Uh, uh, maybe six weeks before the end of the season, but we just we just couldn't do it, and it was disappointing. Disappointing end to, to the season, and I think everyone everyone felt that way. Let's move into the o two o three season then, and another strike that arrives is Paul Hayes. And even though you don't get to play together that often in that particular season, did you get the impression even early on that he was going to go on to have the career he did, not just with Scunthorpe but also other clubs like Barnsley? Yeah, again, Hayes uh, was uh, probably a more natural, rounded, rounded player. Yeah, he could he could link up play. He, he had um, he had a, the quality of different types of finishes, little dinks, little chips, uh, curlers. Um, but we had a we we built up a good rapport as well. We, you know, a young lad coming in, you know, starting really his career really from uh, Norwich, was it? He's come yeah, from, Norwich. Uh, Norwich. Yeah. So um, again, and I played with his dad, and I probably sorry, his uh, brother. Not his dad, his brother, um, uh, Martin Hayes, who uh, obviously was I was at Swansea with when he was ex, ex, the ex-Arsenal player. So, um, yeah, he, uh, he, he was an excellent player. And again, an, another player who's, who's had a fantastic career for, for, uh, for, and uh, a long career. I think it was actually this season was, was probably your best. I think you got 17 goals and there was a couple of hat-tricks in there as well. Um, given you missed three months of the season, it, it probably showed that that was you know your best season that you'd had, um, and you know I think you missed the the back end of the season, but you returned for the playoff game. Um, how desperate were you to get on? Given the fact we'd missed out on the playoffs the season before, I think you started the first game on the bench. How desperate were you to get on during that game? And uh, obviously, how disappointing was it to lose and, and go out to a local rival? Yeah, I probably shot. Uh... Like, like the last the conversation we had, the last the following season, the, sorry, the season before that we spoke about, that's what I was thinking about. Yeah, I got injured this season, sorry, um, and I remember missing a, a, a fair bit of it, which was really disappointing because I thought it'd be the first time I could break the twenty goal barrier, and I was probably on schedule scheduled to do that, um, and then got an injury towards the the end of the end of the season. Fantastic team, done really well, and pushed into playoff spot and Lincoln was the was the first home and away leg um, and I just remember sitting on the bench thinking come on you know I weren't I missed a lot of training and literally I probably only trained for three or four days prior to the to the playoff playoff game um, and and Lincoln were even though I hate to say it they were you know organized and very uh, very, very physical and we always not always, but we always seem to struggle a little bit against them. Um, so yeah, to, to to lose over the two legs was disappointing, but we just couldn't do. I think they scored very early on in one game, and then we had a mountain mountain to climb, and we we just couldn't. Uh, you know, we 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 couldn't do it at that, that season for for whatever reason. Uh, one player, you know, speaking of Lincoln, one player you had uh, numerous duels with over the years was was Ben Big Ben Futcher, massive centre centre back for Lincoln, wasn't he? How are the games, you know, to play against him in particular? And you know, um, you had a few battles with him. So, what was it like? Could you shake his hand in good faith after the game finished, or you know, was it a little bit? It was it was a little bit animosity in there. There, there was a little bit. Uh... Again, I, I bet he works for the FA, funny enough, now. So, um, he, uh, and I, so I've come across him a fair bit. I've probably seen him three or four times over the last six months. And we're, we're fine. We're, we're, we get on well now. But at the time, I, I think there was, no, there was a, 
uh, real big competition because we were both, you know, kind of tall, big, physical players, um, and he could dish it out as well as, as take it as well. We we had a few battles, and yeah, but because they they kind of beat us in that playoff, that always stuck with me. So I always had that in the back of mind to try and try and make up for, for that, those playoff games. And uh, but yeah, it, it, it was one of those. It was it was always. Good, especially being local rivals to, to, to Scunny, it was always going to be a, a you know an extra bit of edge to, to that game. You talk about the battles there. Were there any other sort of opposition players that you were expecting to give as good as you got when you would come up against them? And and maybe who was the sort of toughest defender that you came up against? Uh, yeah, well, good question. I, I get often get this, but but the first one I made my debut. This was going back from Millwall. My my debut was against Paul McGrath. My full debut. Uh, when he was at Aston Villa, um, so that was a real baptism of fire for for me. You know, I was a 19-year-old coming in. It was the old First Division, and uh, Paul um, Paul McGrath and uh, Manfield, I think the, the other centre half was. Um, so those two, uh, as, as a youngster, it was tough. And then as you as you, you kind of get Get, you, you you make your way in the game and you you kind of playing at a certain level league, league one league two wherever wherever it is you do you, you you get to you get to know defenders strengths and weaknesses so you always try to to play on on the week uh, if there was two dominant center halves I always used to try and see if I can put on the shoulder of the of the weaker one um, which you know probably good play or, or, or just logical thinking. <laughs> Maybe it's not too much rocket science there to, to work that one out. Um, but there was there was a few who kind of I always always thought okay I'm going to be in for a battle battle uh, t- today. But Paul McGrath, as I would say, probably is my toughest opponent. Making my debut and, and his reputation and, and the way he was, um, everything was seemed a little bit easier after after that game. Um, and that season as well, we talked about Carruthers um, a little bit earlier on, but I think he got 21 goals that season. And it seemed every player that kind of played alongside you for a prolonged amount of time did get at least 15, generally 20 goals a season. Was that kind of something you prided yourself on as well as scoring the goals yourself, obviously creating and, and maybe drawing defenders away to give them the space to, to get their goals? Yeah, I, I would love to say I, I you know, I, I would love to have been a twenty goal a season cons- consistently over two or three, four seasons. But I, I just was I wasn't a, a kind of I had to really work. Well, I found I had to really work hard for for my goals, and um, you know, a lot a lot of them were redders. Uh, probably I don't know percentage wise, I'd probably say that fifty percent, if not more, were were kind of edders. Um But it was, yeah, I, I kind of just played my game and I think players adapted their game to to play with me. So I, I always always kind of we always worked in training and, and try to have have a kind of build up of relationships and, and, and that's all down to to, um, to Brian as well. We used to work hard in training and used to work in certain patterns of play and uh, different sessions to to try and complement each other and uh, you know work on shape very thoroughly and, and have a way of a certain style of playing. If it was to go direct, I think we could probably mix it up relatively well. We could try and play if it weren't quite working. We could go a little bit more direct and you had the kind of best of both worlds. So it was, it was you know, I think over time you, 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 you build up and you, and you work in training and hopefully those players connect and they, they um, 
they can combine in, in certain areas. So like a fullback and a and a winger and two midfield players and, and your two centre halves. It's those units within the team, and if they kind of link and, and connect, then you've got you know a good recipe there. We, you know, moving to the next season, oh three or four, and it was a you know a little bit of a season to to forget for the club. Real, we, we nearly got relegated. You know, what what do you think went wrong in that season? Con- considering you know how good the squad was at the time, relatively speaking. I really, I really don't know. It was just, <clears throat> it was just you know, we were just in a rut, and we just couldn't seem to seem seems to get a you know back to back wins or or just to get out <clears throat> of it. And it become really, really daunting towards the the back end of the season, where we was, you know, getting sucked into those those relegation places. And there was one stage where I think it was it was, it was real touch and go if we was gonna gonna stay up and, and survive because the, the the points gap were massive. Right? It weren't too bad in the end, but in, in terms of that, that last three or four weeks, not one. Was good enough to go on a on a run to to get themselves out of it. We we just done enough to stay out. But to, to put it down to to one thing, I, it was I, I couldn't really. We just couldn't couldn't buy a win for for whatever reason. It was it was tough going. It was it was tough mentally as as uh, as players and as fans. You know, we've relatively successful in terms of the previous two seasons. Then it was a massive come down. Yeah, and obviously that season another striker came in, Steve McLean. Um, he scored 25 goals. I think you and Beegs were in double figures, and and Hazy chipped in with seven or eight. So you know how, as players in a dressing room, you know you, you're looking at the goals we've scored. How do we find ourselves relying on other teams to to basically keep us up? Yeah, yeah, it, it was it was it was difficult. Um, again, you, you know you, you may be put too much emphasis on on scoring goals when. Maybe we should have put a bit more emphasis on maybe defending and and, and concede and conceding less, because um, if, um, if that was a the situation, then you know, we found ourselves doing okay scoring. I'm saying forwards are doing, but maybe maybe look at a bit more defensive aspect of, of our game um, and keeping those clean sheets. Because if if you do that, then you've got great chance of well, you're not going to lose the game if you keep a clean sheet, but you, you've got more chance of winning and and not especially at a stage of the season. I think you, if you're okay, things are not going well. We need to sharp shop now and really work defensively and keep some clean sheets. And if we can win a game one nil, then then great. Which a lot of good teams have been built on over the years. Clean sheets and one one nil victories. Uh, you know, great results for confidence for the for the team. The the um, as, as a group of players as well. We actually spoke to Paul Hayes quite recently and he told us when we were talking about this time of the season that he was quite unhappy with some of the other players that season because they felt that they weren't pulling their weight. Uh, was that something that you were thinking as well at the time? No, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. I don't think no one really tries to play badly or, or, or whatever. Everyone, everyone goes through a difficulty, a dip in form for, for whatever reason that is. Um, you know, I think we had you know some youngsters in the team as well coming through at that, at that stage. So you, you got to bear it in mind that I don't think anyone, well, I can't remember people not pulling their weight and maybe slacking off. I think everyone was really, really trying to do their best to to, to keep keep scunning in the, in the league. And uh, I remember the the game. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. 
From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. We beat Carlisle, I think it was at the end, is it Carlisle at the end of the season? Um, I think it was the last game or was it last game and um, everyone's run off to the fans and I, I me and Steve McLean just walked back and just went well we should not really be celebrating staying up we, we said that to each other as we walked off we said you know that is pretty embarrassing celebrating staying up when really we should have been definitely at the, the other end of the, the division looking for playoffs and, and promotion so that was uh, I can see why, why players did it because it was Relief more than probably celebration, but it was it was uh, something that I it kind of hit home. Think, come on, let's let's get refocused now and and um, you know focus on on the following season. It was that season. There was obviously quite a lot of turmoil behind the scenes, and Steve Wharton had left the club for a short time, and obviously Laws was sacked, um, and then he was obviously reinstated a few weeks later. Do you think that had an effect on what was happening on the pitch? Oh, I think I think so. I think it, it definitely does. I think a change of management, um, uh, kind of a lack of leadership, not knowing uncertainty around around the place. Um, I, I don't know. Some players don't need much of an excuse to to um, to put it down to lack of form, or whatever. But I, mm. I just I just think when those kind of situations arise, it either goes one way or the other. You really take off and you. You, you, you kick on, or what happened with us? We we went the other way. We we um, our season kind of uh, folded, um, and, and we, we we couldn't say like I say we couldn't buy a win. And, and then uh, Russ and, and Nigel took over for for a period. I think Beegs was uh, disappointed that he weren't involved in in the uh, management of the the team. I think he thought he could have a have a bit of a go at managing. So there was a bit of animosity there with with um, him not being given the chance and not being in with with the the management uh, team. So again, that does have a, an effect on on the group of players and, and definitely on the the uh, result. The goal against Macclesfield Steve was was really important. Obviously, it, it probably did enough just to keep us up on that season. How big was that goal considering the club was sta- um, you know was sort of like staring the conference in the face. Yeah, look at looking back, it, it was it was massive at the time. You've come on, I think we still have three or four games to go, so you don't think that's going to be the, the the crucial win that we needed to to stay up. Um, in the end, it was you know it turned out to be quite significant, really, in terms of uh, staying up. Um, and because after that, I don't think we won after that game, so it was uh, yeah, it turned out to be an important goal. But at the time, you think, come on, there's, there's still enough games here to accumulate enough points to be, you know, going into the last two games. 
relatively safe, but it, it weren't to be. So as we move into the next season, obviously this is where we start to see quite a few changes in the team, but also this is the season we get the promotions. So Laws has brought players in like Muzzlewhite, Crosby, Barraclough, yourself's in there, Biggs is in there as well. Uh, it's, you know, it's the start of a really good side. What do you think the difference is between this side and then the one that the team that lost in the playoffs a few years previous? That actually, as to why this season was this team was the one that got us over the line in terms of promotion. I think, I think, yeah, I think some real, real key signings with with experience. You just mentioned two or three, even. You know, Muzzy, Muzzy comes in as a goalkeeper, massively key area of the pitch. I think sometimes that's a bit under underestimated how well or how much a part a goalkeeper plays in your team. I think if you, you need a, a good keeper. I don't think you can rely on a, a novice. Um, and I think, you know, it was a fantastic signing, his experience. Um, and his stature and his calmness, Muzzy was, was a fantastic servant. Uh, again, with with Andy Crosby as well, another another kind of League Two, League One player who's who's um, served his time through through the lower leagues. No nonsense uh, leader, Fan, fantastic, fantastic player. Uh, Barra as well, all in the same kind of mould really, uh, with with great experience in terms of. Game time, probably 400, 500 games. Uh, I think I don't know how many. I think probably me, all four of us, including myself, probably play between five and 600 games. Um, so, you know, you get that. Obviously, that was eventually, but prior to that, we were probably looking at 400 games plus when, when all, the, all us four kind of got, got together. And, and, and I think people do speak about the spine of the team. If you, if you get that right, as well as the flair from your your wire players and, and your you know your Beagre, your, your Cleveland and, and, and players like that, uh, you 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 can you can do do really well, which proved to be the case. Yeah, and then obviously we've mentioned those players uh, just just there, but Hayes finds his form again in that season. But also I think this is where we start to see young Andy Keogh as well. So what are your memories of him coming onto the scene? Um, I think Andy, come on, I don't know if I was. Injured or because I think he played at Berry and he, he I think he done well against us at Berry. I think he was on loan at Berry before he come to 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 Scunthorpe and I, I remember I think he scored against us at Glanford. Um, so I remember remember him there and I think that's what maybe caught Brian's eyes. Maybe he's, he's well, he's uh, you know a good player and eventually we signed him. But yeah, yeah again, probably like like. Billy Sharp and Andy and, and, and Jermaine Beckford, all those players were, uh, you know, of, a, of a, an, another level, really. And uh, you could just see with, with Andy, especially a young lad, good good energy, enthusiastic, could score goals, could play on shoulder, very good dribbling skills and uh, mobility. So you, you knew... He was a new kid on the block, so to speak, and had a great future in front of him. Uh, obviously, this is a season we we played Chelsea in a huge game at Stamford Bridge. You know, I, I remember going to it like it was yesterday. Uh, probably one of the best things I've seen. Well, the Hayes goal was probably one of the best things I've seen live in football. But anyway, you know, you missed the game through suspension after getting sent off against Notts County a week before. Um, was that a bit, a little bit of a regret viewing your career? And um, you know, how did you how did you get over that as a player moving forward? Yeah, it was it was a regret, but uh, again, but at the time you you just you do something you feel okay, and then suddenly when you get you know the referee punishes the red card and you you walk in the changing rooms and you you sit there and you think, 
you know, the consequences of that is is a majorly disappointment. Uh, you don't think of it at the time because the the game you're just playing one game. You're not going out. Oh, I'm, I'm, I've got one eye on on the following week against Chelsea. I don't I don't think players do that. I think they just play one game at a time. But looking back, yeah, it was a it was a major major regret to get sent off um, against Notts County the week leading up to to the the Chelsea game, which was a, a fantastic occasion. And I just remember sitting there and, and going on the travelling the night before, staying in the, the hotel and, yeah, very, very disappointed and, and just thought, you know, really, really uh, gutted, really, not to be be involved in, in playing that stage. That season, we, yeah, we obviously played Grimsby as well, which is the first time in, in a long time. Um, but, you know, you came up against quite a few of our local rivals, Lincoln, Hull, um, and then obviously Grimsby that season. What was it like to play in those as a player? And was there any one of those that seemed a little bit, you know, had a bit more edge to it than another? Yeah, it was, it was a great, uh, great derby, as, as most local derbies are. Um, and there was always a, an edge edge to, to that game. And you know, even if you're playing at Blundell Park or you're, you're playing at Glanford, it's always... We always seem to do well, well against Grimsby. I don't think... I can't remember off the top of my head losing to on many occasions. Um, I know we always done well at Glanford. And uh, I think the, the, the time when Aisy scored two, I think when the two centre-halves kind of collided, and uh, you know some some real good memories against them, but all all positive memories. I can't really remember. Maybe we did lose to them on, on the odd occasion, but I can't remember losing to them at, at all. For top of my head, so it was it was always a good occasion. We always seemed to to do really well against them. Um, again, the, the ones that I remember is when Az, the two centre halves. It was like a, a sketch show where the two went for the same ball. The keepers come mm-hmm. running out. And Azy's just had to put it into a, an empty net. And I think I've gone running behind Azy. I think we've got a photo of it, of it with uh, me and Azy with our, our, our hands are cu- cupped with two our ears and we're, we're running up to the Grimsby supporters. So that was a, a real good moment and one that uh, yeah, I definitely remember. And uh, that's obviously the season with promotion, as we were saying. It's at Shrewsbury. Is that a highlight for you, even though we didn't actually win the game in the end? Yeah, for sure. I enjoyed the game before. I think it was the Bristol Rovers game we played the week prior to that. And I scored. I hadn't scored for, I think it was about 15 games or something. It was, it was ridiculous. And I, I managed to score two goals uh, just to relieve a little bit of pressure on, on myself and, and, and the team. But yeah, it was. It weren't. I know. I think Shrewsbury got relegated that, that season. So they were always. They were already down. And there was a bit of an atmosphere. They didn't look. I remember watching them in the warm-up, and they looked like they they were ready for going on holiday or whatever they were they were doing. But they they got relegated that season, and they looked beaten before we we. And I knew we had to. Well, everyone knew we just had to had to get a point to to secure promotion. It was a hot. The pitch was bone dry, and there was no bounce. It was my mouth, and I think everyone was sort said to everybody, "It was like you couldn't you, you quench your first. It was it was nervous. It was." Um, I, you know, really kind of lack of energy because of the, the conditions and the pitch, but we managed to get over the line. I don't think I don't, I don't think they managed a shot or they had one shot on target, uh, but we kind of dominated. But we just couldn't get the winner. But we didn't need to. The, our point was sufficient to to go up. But a great, great um, 
great memories over. It would have been, it would have been nice if the overhead kick had gone in, but obviously Joe <laughs> had other ideas. <laughs> Joe, I know, yeah, fancy him being in there. If anyone else would have gone top corner, but no, again, he was he was a young lad, weren't he? Just coming, making his name in the in the game. But yeah, I remember the overhead kick, and I've uh, viewed it a few more. I remember landing on my back on the in the goal mouth on the. You know, pitches are not like they are now. It was it was like a bloody concrete, and uh, I, I remember like uh, landing on my on my back and giving it a rub after. But yeah, it was it was more relief. I was, I was so pleased for for Brian and and obviously the staff because uh, they they put a lot of effort in and there's some good signings and you know managed really well that that season. So I was, I was pleased for everyone concerned. Moving to the 0506 season then in, in League One, and it, it just started to come together, didn't it? We had a sharp KO partnership, was probably like nothing Scunthorpe fans had ever seen before, really. And obviously, you still played quite a few games that season. Um, but, you know, could you tell how good they were going to be from, from where you were on the training pitch, you know, and when you're on the pitch as well? Yeah, for, yeah, for sure. You, you, you look at them and you, you, you think they're, uh, you know, so natural, so, so. Um, like I said, I had to work half of my goals, and I Billy and Andy probably say they work just as hard, but probably a bit more natural in terms of goal scoring and uh, at pace. Uh, Billy, Billy, uh, especially you know, again, he's not just a pure goal scorer. You know, it's always always thinks his his goals, 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 and obviously had a fantastic career. Yeah, but as soon as they come through the building, everyone's everyone's kind of well, you know, we we got something special here. And they, they've, um, they, they've done fantastic for Scunthorpe. There's not really an awful lot to discuss in terms of that season. So let's move ahead to the next one. And even though we have a good start, Lawsy then leaves quite early on in the season. Uh, was that quite difficult for you, given that he'd been your manager for the entire time that you'd been at the club? Uh, I was. I was a little bit disappointed. And I know it goes on. I think we, we had a game. I can't remember. Sorry, my memory's terrible. Um, we, we had a game and it was on, we finished an evening game nine or ten o'clock on the bus and it come on the radio. Um, Brian Laws has agreed to join Sheffield Wednesday. This was straight after the game and <laughs> literally 30 seconds later, Brian come on. We said, all oh, right, okay, Gaffey, you, you no, nothing's been signed. No, no, don't listen to that radio. So we thought, okay, fair enough. But I think, I think it had already been signed and sealed. Um, so that, that was obviously Brian's last game, that evening kickoff. Um, I think we'd won, but yeah, I, I was disappointed because I, I worked with Brian. He, he signed me, so you always had that little special bond. If a manager does sign you and take that leap of faith and uh, give you that confidence to to go and play for him, um, so it, it was was disappointing. And because you, you, you don't know what's going to happen, the, who's going to come in, what's going to happen. Sometimes I think players do like a bit of consistency, <clears throat> continuity. So when he went, the thing was up in the air. What's going to happen? Who's going to take over? What's, what's the situation? So it was that uncertainty more, more than anything. And when you work with a manager for a good period of time, you do build up a, a relationship. So, yeah, I, I was disappointed that uh, Brian had left. Yeah, as you say, obviously, you got on really well with Brian. And we've had a few questions in from fans that have obviously sent some in on this topic. And uh, we had one that was... <laughs> Is quite quite a funny one actually. Just asking whether um, go on, were, go on, <laughs> go on. Whether you ever had a clause in your contract which meant you couldn't be substituted. <laughs> no, I remember reading that when I was Scunny on the in the uh, forums or in the, on the papers. Son of son of laws, 
Yeah, he can't be substituted. He's got a clause in his contract. He can't play unless he's, he, he has to play unless he's injured. Absolutely no. I don't, I've never heard of a, a clause in anybody's contract that, um, that they, they play no matter what. I, I've not heard that. So no, no, I can categorically say that I never I never had that clause in my contract. Um, and again, he, uh, for whatever reason, Brian, I think he knew what he was going to get from me. It's sometimes, technically, not I'm not always going to perform mm. in terms of tempo. He knows I'm going to run around or, or try and run around and try and um, try and do my best. You know, kind of six to seven out of ten. Maybe not many nines, not many, definitely not many tens, but maybe a steady six or seven each, each week. Which sometimes, as a manager, you rather bat that than have somebody a, a nine one week and then a, a four for the following week. Oh, I don't know. I've never had that conversation with with Brian. I I, I just went in and he would the, the build up to the game. We maybe work on a, a bit of shape and set pieces on a Friday, so you would get an inkling of what the team would be and, and what it was going to be on the, the following Saturday. Sometimes he would leave and announce the team on the, on the Saturday afternoon, an hour, hour and 15 minutes prior to kickoff. So um, it, it was one of those, no no bias with me and I had no bias with him. I didn't have no clause in the contract. So sorry about that one. Put that one to bed. Nigel Atkins, um, you know, eventually takes up the role, doesn't he, and, and replaces Brian. You know, it was a little bit of a shock to the fans at the time, um, but obviously it, it turned out to be a, a pretty good appointment. I think probably one of one of our best managers in in the past couple of decades. So, so you know, what, what was it? What was the influence like that Nigel had, and, and how was his management style different from Brian? You know, eventually got over the line, didn't he? Yeah, f- fantastic. Uh, I, I work with because towards that time of the when Nigel did take over, prior to that, maybe. 18 months prior to that, I started to pick up a few few injuries. So I spent a lot of time with Nigel in the, in the treatment room and, um, you know, the rehab side. And uh, very, very, uh, I can't speak highly enough of, of, of Nigel. Fantastic, fantastic guy. Um, always put the club first, always put the players first. Uh, spent numerous, numerous hours trying to get players back fit, um, never cut any corners, was doing the hard graft in the gym, would run around the training ground with you to, to add that bit of company and, and try to guide you through what can be testing times as a as a physio. It's, it's, a, it's a tough job psychologically as a, as a player if you're out relatively long-term, four, six weeks or even longer on, on occasions with me. I think it was that one, one time for 12 weeks with a, a ruptured hamstring. Uh, Nigel was fantastic. He was um, absolutely uh, brilliant. I can't say I can't speak highly, highly enough of him. So when he when he did get the the job, Steve Walton obviously sees something in in Nigel. Uh, Nigel used to take pre-season and he had a even though probably people may know now, but at the time didn't you know he had a, a good footballing background. You know, you take pre-season, he would study the game. Um, watching videos and and um, reading books and very well read, so he, he was no, he weren't just a physio in, in my eyes. Anyhow, when he, when he first came on the scene, everyone had that confidence in him um, to to like what, what he did. He, he got us over the line and, and got us promoted. 
Yeah, and in terms of that promotion, so in terms of your own playing, you only really play a, a bit part in that second half of the season, but Adkins has said that you were really influential around the place and had a big part to play in the promotion. So how do you, how important do you think it was to have older heads you know, in the dressing room when, when you're dealing with a promotion to the championship? Yeah, I, I think you just, you, you, you just use your experience. I don't think you, you don't set out to, to do, do this or you, you do that. I think you just kind of carry on as normal. You just... You know, if you're having a word with some of the younger element of the, of the group, or they may just ask you a question as a in a conversation over over lunch. So I think those little aspects were like like Scunthorpe was a great smallish family orientated club with um, you know some fantastic players, and uh, everyone was there was there was no clicks, there was no um, outside groups, no everyone wanted to do well for. For the club and for, for themselves and for for others, so it was good. I think with, with the experience I spoke about before with Barrow and and Crozer and um, you know Muzzy as well as Beagree and you know and then the other players were starting to get a few more games of Stanton's and people like that who um, you know Cleveland and, and players like that started to get a little bit more confident and um, a little bit more knowledgeable and. Uh, so, so yeah, it, it was it was good to play a part, and again, it was it was a very small part, and so that was that was disappointing that I couldn't play a bigger part. But again, it was it was a small part that you know helped helped along the way. Yeah, and obviously, I think you only scored two goals that season, but one of those was uh, for me. It was one of the most important goals of that that campaign, and it came against your former club, Millwall, and I think it was a one 0 win. We had a couple of injuries just before Christmas. Um, for me, that that felt like the day everyone started to believe we were we were going to go up and we were going to actually get over the line. And um, just talk us through that goal. Yeah, I, I remember it because actually I was carrying a, a real painful injury again, another injury. Uh, um, I, I I had a, a real bad pain in my foot, my right foot, and um, I spoke to Nigel about and, and the physios. And, they said, oh, no, you're fine. So I took some anti-inflammatory, strapped it up, had loads of ice on it. But it was absolutely kidding me. And I knew there was something not quite right. So I was struggling in training. Before the game, I popped a couple of um, anti-inflammatories just to take that edge off. And I remember Josh Lillis, the goalkeeper, I think it was his debut. I remember the, the night. It was a, a gloomy, um, like misty evening. And, uh, yeah, I come off the bench. It was about the last 20 minutes or so. Uh, Marcus Marcus Williams went down the left-hand side, pulled it back. I felt I controlled it with my right foot, and because my foot, I was in so much agony, I just I couldn't side foot it probably. So I just toe poked it a bit like not like Ronaldo, but in a Ronaldo like esque, um, and I just dug it out of my foot and just stabbed it, and it, I just see it kind of shooting to the bottom of the bottom goalkeeper's left-hand side. And um, I think it was the, the, the end where all the Scunny supporters were as well. So I remember going over there. I couldn't really <laughs> celebrate much. And then it, all I wanted to do was just get through the last five or ten minutes of that game because my foot was in absolute... I was in absolute agony with my foot. And then the follow-up, it was the following day. Um, I said no to no, I said I need to go and have an X-ray. When I had an X-ray in Gore Hospital, my local hospital, and um, they come back and they said it's a, a real unusual. You've got an extra bone in your foot, which is on the outside of my foot, which I've fractured, and that's what's causing me discomfort. Anyway, subsequently I had to have a, an operation to remove this tiny little bone, 
and that kept me out for another six weeks. So yeah, so yeah, I scored, and that was my last part to, to well, last part to play apart from the, the last game of the season. Obviously, it was a great end to the season with the win against Carlisle. Um, you, Adkins wanted to give you a good send off, didn't he? So you know, how was it to play in that game personally? And then you know, at the end of the game, the the standing ovation from the fans, and I think that you know, um, overall, fans warmed you really well, didn't they? I think obviously there was. Obviously, it's mixed opinion, really, but I think right at the end, I think everybody appreciated everything you did to the club. So, how was that to to kind of top it off, really? Yeah, it was fantastic. Um, again, I did, I did um, divide opinion, like you say. I think it was, uh, you know, you some some liked the way I played, some didn't, and uh, it was quite a, quite a good balance. It was it kind of evened itself out. So, some were booing, some were cheer. So, it kind of mastered the booing, which was quite quite nice to. Uh, to hear really um, but yeah it was, it was great Nigel again like I say was fantastic he, he, he had that kind of personal touch and very uh, empathetic and took people's emotions into consideration as well um, he got everybody I don't know if you've heard this story you, you probably have where before the end of the, the or the start of the game he told everybody who was in the squad all the squad players to come down before the end of the game that Carlisle game and make sure you get your shirt on, get your kit on, because when we do the the lap of honour and receive the the award and the, and the trophy, I want everybody to have a shirt on. So when you look back, you feel more of a part of the of the group, which you know again, it's fantastic. Um, and he, he put me on. He started me, so it was great. And I was quite nervous because I knew it was my last game. Um, and it was a baking hot, like it always is, last game of the season, red hot. Um, and yeah, it was it was a good good way to go. We won the game if it was two 0 but uh, something else that kind of stood with me with I was I think they looked over and I was saying you're coming off, so I just thought I'm going to take it nice and slow, soak <laughs> soak up the moment and really really enjoy it. You know, seven years at a fantastic football club with fantastic supporters with great staff and, and players and I thought right okay I'm going to really memory you know, it's going to be a great memory and what I do remember is the referee running over to me is telling me to hurry up and get off the pitch come on run, run. <laughs> I just thought you and I felt I felt like giving him both barrels so I just uh, I just uh, I just walked off the pitch and you know obviously had a great standing ovation from the majority of the fans and um, hopefully uh, I'll give them uh, you know, a few cheers along the way, but yeah, fantastic for Nigel to to play me and, and bring me off that stage of the game and to to win the the final game as well was a, you know, a fantastic end to my Scunthorpe career. Yeah, obviously you, you left the club that summer, as you say. Um, obviously, maybe the injuries are caught up with you and things like that. Did you feel you maybe could offer the club anything in the Championship, or did you feel it was time as well to maybe? Carry on playing, but at a lower level. Yeah, um, Nigel called me in at the end of the season. Like, like do uh, most clubs, unless you're under contract, you, you um, or even if you are under contract now, you normally get called in. You, you're given a program. You're given a rough date when you're going to be come back training. And we was all waiting, and uh, I went to see Nigel, and he said he said we weren't going to offer you anything, and I fully understood. I. I if I'm me and on me, I probably knew that I weren't a championship player at a kind of 36. Um, so I knew my days were, were going to be numbered. I, he decided to to keep uh, Andy Crosby and, and Ian Barraclough on as 
as members of staff, and rightly so, they were still playing, so they could offer something on the, on the pitch as well as um, the coaching aspect of it and, and with his management team. So I've totally understood his um, full process there. Um, so yeah, I, if me and on me, I would say definitely, definitely ready to kind of move on and uh, go on to new new ventures. You mentioned those new ventures, and we're going to start to wrap this up. But I do want to bring in York slightly because that's another club that plays a big part of your career. And you move there. You are still playing, but you move into coaching as well, and you start with the youth team. But over time, you sort of become the first team coach and your assistant manager. And I think a point of significance for Scunthorpe fans here is when Russ Wilcox was sacked as manager in 2014, I think it was a week later, he went and became manager of York and you became his assistant manager. So what was that like working with Russ and you know what was he like as a manager? Because obviously he's in charge of the club now again at the minute. Yeah, I, I um, was doing a youth team for a good few years. Nigel Worthington come in as... The old ex-Northern Ireland, great reputation, fantastic manager, fantastic, fantastic guy. Uh, come in and promoted me from youth team to first team coach. We were struggling. We managed to stay up that season and eventually promoted me up to his assistant um, in League Two. We got playoffs that, that first year and we struggled um, early on in the season. Nigel used to live in Norfolk. And it's a, you know, <laughs> and if you do very good at geography, is uh, from Kings Lynn is where he's based to, to York is probably about five and out five and a half hours travel. So um, we we didn't get off to the, the greatest of start. So Nigel resigned as manager, and um, uh, Russ come in. Russ come in, um, and we we steadied the ship. We we stayed up that that season. Um, and then I was I was in the office with with Russ at the end of that that season I just spoke about, and he said that he was going to bring in his own number two. He said he's, he's um, worked with obviously John Schofield, and he brought in his own number two, and I was subsequently sacked. So um, yeah, so yeah, I was disappointing to 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 get the sack. I thought we'd done well, and. York was going through a bit of turmoil, but it was a difficult situation. We just got promoted. It was the second second season in the, in League Two, which is you know a tough division coming from from the conference. The budget was not great at York. It was a competitive budget, but always going to probably be bottom bottom half. Um, so yeah, so to 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 get the sack in those circumstances was was disappointing. To, to say the least. So um, yeah, so that was it. And Nigel, uh, sorry, uh, Russ brought in John Schofield, and and that's it really. I've not really spoke to Russ since then. So um, you know that, that that happens in in football. So you know I, I need to move on, and and I'm sure he's he's moved on. So I've moved on, and you know obviously working for the the PFA now, and maybe it was a blessing in disguise. For uh, for our fans who maybe don't know what you're up to now, Steve, obviously you just mentioned working for the PFA, but can you just uh, you know just just give us a little bit of an overview of, of what what that entails? Yeah, so I uh, two years in April, I, I joined the PFA as a coach educator. So my main job is to go into I've got regional clubs, so I work within the north northeast. So Scunthorpe's one of my clubs, Grimsby, Hull. Newcastle, Sunderland and Middlesbrough are going to deliver level two qualifications. So it's a coaching qualification 
to the scholars, the 16 to 18 year olds. And um, I do badges or, or take players or members, ex-professional players, current professional footballers, who maybe are coming towards the end of their career or thinking of maybe when they do finish, that they want to go down that coaching pathway. So obviously you need qualifications and you need to be qualified to to get a job nowadays. It's all, all about qualifications. So I kind of guide them through their qualifications um, with uh, there's 15 other regional coaches. I do the say northeast. There's uh, coaches northwest, midland, south, southeast, and so on throughout the country. So that's my my job that I do now, and that's full time. And it's it's great. It's very rewarding for especially some of the youngsters who potentially got some real good um, coaching or going to gain some real good coaching experiences, and also dealing with more experienced coaches. Um, I, I was just doing a, a coaching qualification with Stuart Downing not so, so long ago, and A.D. McGeady, who's um, a child now, you know, Republic of Ireland International. So you, you come across some, a, a good balance of some real experienced players and uh, and also some youngsters who's just starting out on their coaching pathway. And um, it's, yeah, it's a very rewarding job and it's a, a great organisation to work for. I think we'll just wrap up with a few general ones and uh, just to finish. And um, obviously, we've mentioned quite a lot of the strikers you've played with and the partnerships you've kind of forged. Out of all those strikers at Scunthorpe, who was your favourite striker to play with? Oh, that's a that's a tough one. That is, I did enjoy playing with Gandhi, man. He, he uh, again, we 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 had, had a good laugh and we had some ups and downs. And so Gandhi, man, was good. Aisy was was good as well. I think probably those two were were um, my favourite too. And what about favourite goal? My um, favourite goal, I, I scored one against Rushton. You know, that one, that only one that was outside the box. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> Great goal. Yeah. Um, and um, I, I really enjoyed the one uh, against Bristol Rovers, the, the first one, a little glance. It wasn't a great goal, to be fair. But in terms of relieving a little bit of pressure on myself and, and near enough taking us over the line for that Shrewsbury game, um, it just, it was just, you just think, yeah, we're we're so close now to to getting promoted. So the importance of the the car, the um, sorry, the, the the game against Bristol Rovers, a goal to flick Tedder, and the the one against Rushton was probably my my two memorable ones. We've had a question sent in from George Young, so we'll go back to the red cards again. And uh, out of your collection of red cards, have you got a favourite? Uh, I don't know. Oh, probably the the, the um. The the Yambo, I suppose. You know, that's probably mm. a real classic. The others are pretty similar. Maybe a stray elbow or a, a stray odd head butt or coming together of heads. But maybe the because you know I had to work hard to, for that. That was a, that was a good save. Um, say if you asked <laughs> Tommy or Muzzy, they probably would have been <laughs> well happy with that one. Uh, I think uh, just to finish, I'll just wrap up. I mean, I, I think everyone that knows me knows I was a massive fan of yours and. Uh, I do have a mate actually as well who's a, a really big fan of yours and one of his prized possessions is a match one shirt from the the season we got promoted to the championship um, and this is going back a few years but he was he was seeing a new girl at the time and um, she was round at the house for the weekend uh, obviously the start of a relationship things are going really well the excitement's there things like that and then she said oh follow me upstairs in five minutes so obviously he's really excited and um, he's upstairs like a rat up a drain pipe and to his horror, he opens the bedroom door and, and there she is, laid on the bed in your match one shirt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. And, 
yeah, yeah, it's safe to say, you know, that's one of his prized possessions, and uh, they worked together much longer after that. So I, just thought I'd, 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 I bet you was over in two minutes. <laughs> uh, Steve, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's been a really good episode. No problems. It's been a pleasure, and uh, thank you for inviting me, guys. No, absolute pleasure for us. Uh, thank you, everybody for listening to this hope it lived up to the expectations I, I think it certainly did for us uh, thank you very much for listening like share subscribe retweet and we'll see you on the next one mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market 